Hi, I'm George Techwichup here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson for another Easton podcast. Uh, sorry for the audio quality on this one, folks. I'm on my way to Japan, and Steve's hanging out at the fabulous new Anderson Archery Center. Kinda, yeah. So, tell us what happened, man. You got your you got your new archery basement done. I see on social media. It looked fantastic. Uh, not done, but it's. It's operational, yeah. It looked um, really operational to me. Yeah, I'm still going to finish Legit. doing some drywall around the whole thing. It's My basement is like, like it's partially finished, right? There's a bedroom and most of a bathroom all drywalled, but the rest of it's going to take some time and I'll just do it myself, I suppose. And could, yeah, for right now, we're, we're like, we're, it's really well lit. Could probably hold four or five shooters. I'm really excited about it. So you got a bedroom built into it. You could have like your own archery B and B. That's the plan. Yeah, and that's uh, the term I actually coined a while back, and I forgot to trademark. And you've just uh, spilled it to everybody on the, the podcast universe. Well, I'm terribly sorry because, quite frankly, it just occurred to me, and therefore it can't be that difficult. Sorry. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, someone's probably already doing it. Yeah. So, other exciting news around the Anderson household. World Archery had a pretty good story about this, but I'd like to I'd like to get it from the man married to the woman herself. Uh, Linda Anderson, Linda Ochoa Anderson, is going to be shooting for the United States next year, which is really good news. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, it was tough for Linda. She's obviously a Mexican, and she's very proud of her Mexican heritage and proud of her country. Absolutely. And, it wasn't easy for her to walk away from shooting, a, you know, as a Mexican archer, but their federation is just so poorly run that we were tired of dealing with it. And this was an opportunity and an option, and it, it seemed like the best option by far. So she took it, and she will be shooting for Team USA. It's going to be really weird to see her in a usa jersey but uh i think they're gonna have a really really good team too absolutely i mean you know think about it you've got uh not just linda but you know uh you got alexis ruiz and Paige pierce and yeah. you know a lot of talent and i think that um you know going forward also on the recurve side too i mean we're seeing some talent up and coming but definitely a great opportunity you know one of the high priorities for world archery is to try to uh, enhance the number of women shooting the sport and um, compound in particular. You know, you and I talked about this. Um, yeah. The goal there, of course, being to try to get universality, better universality for women's compound. And if that can happen, that could make a big difference in terms of the prospects for women's compound to get into the Olympic Games. And, you know, Linda is young enough that we, who knows, we could see her shooting in the Olympics someday. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you say the Olympics is a, for compound, maybe a 2028 or a 2032 type thing, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of compounders are still very competitive, you know, some even into their 50s. But, sure, uh, sure. you know, late 30s, early 40s, still a very competitive time. I mean, absolutely. You look Rio Wild, I think Rio's 46 or 47 and he made the team again. And that's the hardest team to make, you know, Rio's shooting really good again. And it's, uh, so yeah, it just depends on, you know, how life works. And if the Olympic thing happens, I, I don't hold that in high hopes, but, 
Well, well it, here's the reality, Steve. If we don't try, that is, we, the archery community, don't try to meet the standards from the standpoint of getting more women into the sport, which is, of course, a great thing to do, yeah. um, then we know for sure it won't happen. And this yeah. way, at least, we have a chance. So. Yep. I, uh, and, you know, I'll point out that Linda is not the only Mexican archer to switch national teams. Uh, right. so, I yeah. mean, obviously, we've, we've seen a, a couple others, including uh, Gabby Bayardo, who's now yep. shooting for Netherlands. Yeah. So, I mean, when you operate poorly, you know, in terms of a federation, like very, very poorly, and I'm not even trying to be critical, it's just very very apparent if you read any of the stories about their federation now there's been a lot of media coverage of what's yeah. going on it's a difficult situation we'll just leave it at that you know yeah hopefully it'll improve in the future <laughs> yeah for the for the sake of the the mexican athletes one one thing that uh, people don't realize is basically linda had to sacrifice an entire year of international competition in order to be able to change national teams that's required by world archery so she hasn't shot since the end of 2018 when she Correct. shot in the um, World Cup final, where she yep. finished second, and um, so you know that's that's just something to consider. Is uh, if you're if you're planning to go shoot for Kazakhstan, you can't shoot for <laughs> you can't shoot at all for a year in international right. competition. Yeah, and you've got to have. Uh there's a number of rules as to who would qualify to shoot for someone, you know, and what kind of requirements there are. And it's uh, sometimes the, the nations have different rules. Like the U S didn't follow the rules of world archery for a number of years. And then they, they changed about three years ago, four years ago, I think to be on an even playing field with world archery rules, just because there were people from other countries, you know, it was a little stricter for the U S to be able to uh, be eligible to shoot. And there are other countries who were having shooters move around and picking up shooters that, you know, they were just operating under World Archery's rules. And the uh, U.S. saw that it was in their best interest as well to, to follow those. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's another thing that World Archery is doing is getting everybody on a more or less level playing field, which is, of course, quite important and uh, yeah. beneficial to our sport. All right, moving along. Uh, you just got through with the big annual Easton sales conference where some new stuff got introduced. Uh, in my mind, the Superdrive 19 is the exciting news. Yeah, I, I mean, the I think the big product for us this year is the RX-7. And um, that, you know, we released, uh, what, a couple months ago now. And... Yeah, in order to get it ready for indoor season this year. Right. So it was it was not news, but you know, we our release schedule doesn't necessarily revolve around our sales meeting anymore, as you know. And it, uh, but the Superdrive nineteen was was the new release, and I don't think it's up on the website yet. But basically, a nineteen diameter all carbon Superdrive arrow um, with some some very interesting construction techniques, and it's something we're doing right here in the USA and uh, it kind of it kind of rounds out our super drive 3D lineup with a smaller diameter shaft it'll also work really well for field archery or just general you know tar- outdoor target archery if you if you want to buy one arrow that could work for FIDA and field and 3D it would be a pretty good one yeah and a really tough construction and very good tolerances as well as the fact that it's quite light so advantageous for 3D in particular because of the you know the whole speed thing but also you get more front of center balance with the same point weight so that's also a positive 
Right. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a good option for people who who want a smaller diameter shaft for 3D, either for wind or some people, you know, with no speed limit want that smaller diameter shaft because all things being equal, the smaller diameter shaft flies flatter than a, a larger diameter shaft. And I know it's very popular in IBO, and I think they just changed their rules, but I'm not sure if it changed for everybody to have a speed limit. I don't know that, so I'm not going to try to speak to it. But SuperDrive 19 is a good option for, for people who are looking for a smaller diameter 3D arrow. And there's my favorite thing, which is the new uh, toolkit, which is uh, pretty nifty. The new yeah. toolkit basically gives you every possible hex and star head you could use on a compound or a recurve in one single kit that's about the size of a set of, uh, you know, just an ordinary set of Allen wrenches. But it's got yeah. everything. And it's got a big, you know, T-handle thing, and it really works well. So that'll be pretty exciting. Um, I heard that we'll have those in stock starting in December. So that should go over really well. Yeah, the fix-it sticks. So those are, if you're in the gun world, you've probably heard of fix-it sticks, but it's the bicycle people know them too. Yeah, bicycle people. Um, the advantage of buying the one from Easton is that it has the archery-specific bits included with it. So you can get them elsewhere, but it'll be, you know, this will have, a, you know, a hex head and some screwdriver sets or whatever. And ours has archery-specific bits. Yeah. That's the advantage from and us. In fact, I had I'd called all the uh, major compound manufacturers to make sure that we had the right star heads on those things. And so this one pretty much covers anything you'd see from Hoyt, PSE, Matthews, any of the majors. Um, you know, and the other thing is, because it's quarter-inch drive, you can buy any additional bits you might need at your local store. Right. And then Fix-It Sticks makes... Uh, some very cool torque limiter pieces for it as well. Yeah. So if you really want to do it right, you know, how many people have stripped out module screws on cams or just any number of screws that are kind of a pain, kind of specialty items you might not find somewhere. You know, if you get if you get that torque limiter, it'll make sure you get it. Because all these things have a – every screw has a spec, right? It's not like a 516-24 screw from Hoyt is going to have a different – torque spec than it is from Matthews or whatever. So that, that's just a, that's a standard of the, the screw itself. So you can get torque limiters and then really get everything on your bow tightened down exactly to where it should be. Yeah. The only problem being that, you know, in the archery industry, it seems like none of the manufacturers actually tell you torque limits. They, they just say, don't over tighten, which is a little bit vague, but right. uh, yeah, but you yeah we're working toward that. that, I think. You can look it up on if you know the size of the screw. You can look it up on like McMaster Car or whatever. It'll give you the torque specs. To That's it. right. There's a max torque spec for that kind of thing in aluminum, for example, and you can go off those guidelines uh, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe take five percent off just to be safe. But uh, for sure, it's uh, it's a cool little nifty tool set. So I, I just got back from uh, from Houston. I'm on the way to Tokyo right now, but uh, Houston went pretty well. The, the uh, USA Archery put on a weekend symposium, which uh, was designed to provide coaches. Uh, and in the past, it's been a coaches symposium. Now they're calling it the national symposium because it's got 
archers in it. It's got program leads. You know, it, it goes beyond coaching. And this was basically three days of, of people like me and George Riles and uh, Ben Summers, people like that, getting up and, and talking about products and also techniques, but also really a lot of the stuff that they went into involved the mental game of the sport, things like that. So that went really well. Yeah, what, what all is that? I mean, symposium sounds like either some type of a musical thing. Yeah, symposium, or, right? Uh, yeah, Beethoven, Beethoven's symposium, number 14. Yeah. No, no. In this Did you have case, to wear a tie? Big meeting, was it a black, big meeting. Was it a black tie affair? No, although uh, there, there were, in fact, no black ties. There were lots of baseball hats, lots and lots and lots and lots of those uh, USA jerseys you can buy. Right. You know the ones? No, no dinner jackets or anything like that? Nobody wore a dinner jacket, not even me. Uh, I did wear, I wore a sport jacket, but not a dinner jacket. Okay. I had an epic dinner, but that's an offline story. But I had an epic dinner with an old friend of mine who uh, was a top shooter back in the day and his wife. And we went out to this steakhouse that is probably one of the top 10 in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And it's supposed to be one of the top in Texas, which tells you something. Steaks. It was just ridiculous. It was epic. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to hear more about it sometime. Yeah, yeah we'll tell you about it. What but kind of steak did you order? I, I got a New York strip, and I did not get the hairy eyeball from the waiter. It was one of the top items on the menu. Hmm, New York strip. Yeah, which you, you know, sounds like you shouldn't get that in Texas. I but mean... That was the first steak I've eaten in months, because as you know, I've, I've been working on, you know, eating healthier and stuff, and as yeah. a result, that was absolutely worth uh, the... Uh, you know, the calorie hit, as it were. Right. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, what else happened at the symposium? Well, there was a, there was a lot of interesting um, presentations. You know, George Riles is, is a pretty darn good presenter. He's, he's got it down to the point where he really can explain things very simply and easily to people who don't necessarily understand compounds. So I was impressed with what he had to say. And, um, you know, in general, this basically here's the thing, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit with our interview with Rod Menzer, the CEO of, of USA Archery. But basically, you're paying right now to be part of the coaching program. If you've been in a level one, you pay a couple hundred dollars. You're level two, level three, level four, you're paying for all that. And, you know, this also costs to go to for the people who are attending. So they're in it, you know, to. To, to learn and to try to do a better job with the, you know, teaching of the sport. Training the trainers was part of the goal here. And I think that that was, that was a good chunk of the, the weekend was training the trainers, elevating everybody's coaching to a level where it'll be, uh, you know, at a higher level and, and eventually pay off with more accomplished shooters. I think that's really the bottom line. But actually, we're going to talk about that with Rod Menzer a little bit. Rod's done a lot to uh, bring the bring the organization forward, in my opinion. You know, he's kind of a thinker, and, and I think he's done a ton to uh, to improve things in the last just couple of years. You know, th- th- what's really interesting is people inherently like to complain about whatever it is in our sport, especially when it's organizational. And I was thinking about USA Archery. They're doing more to try to Benefit, you know, benefit the athlete, which I think is key because a lot of federations forget what their real asset is. They think it's like a, you know, they think the fact that they're the federation 
gives them something to stand on. But without their membership base, without their participants, they have literally nothing. Right. So Rod has tried to make the tournaments worthwhile. He's done everything he can to improve the experience for participants. And then internally, well, we don't see it all. I think he's done a good job of, of improving their staff, of getting people going in a direction that will help sustain what they're trying to do, of help trying to you know, generate funding for USA Archery. And then the real kicker to me, I think he's done a good job of hiring. You know, look at, you, you mentioned George Riles. Look at what our Paralympic team did at uh, uh, in, quali- in terms of qualification. They, they qualified a full team in every category. Yeah, George is a Paralympic coach now, and he's done a great job with those guys. Yeah, so, you know, and, and Rod's just, he's still getting started. You don't turn around the whole program in two, three, even four years. You know, it takes, takes a serious amount of time, and there's still, I'm sure, you know, as he sees it, a ton of work to be done, but... I'm pretty happy with USA Archery. Well, you know, I can't think of a better introduction to our interview with Rod Menzer. Let's go straight to it. Well, we're here with Rod Menzer, the CEO of USA Archery. Rod, thanks for joining us uh, for the podcast today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. You know, we are here in Houston, Texas at the NAA's annual symposium. USA Archery's annual symposium. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're old. This is the part... (laughs) The problem, it's it's old school, you know, we're, we're, we're part of a uh, old culture, both you and me, and so I keep saying USA Archery. I know, I I, NAA. Yeah, it is, uh, the I've NAA, done it too. Sorry, the USA Archery <laughs> National Symposium. And this one's, um, you know, the, the theme here is be the best coach, be the best athlete, be the best team. Yes. And yes. you guys have, um, at, the, at USA Archery, have come up with uh, what looks like a corporate mission statement in a way. Yeah, that, uh, that covers those things. You know, it's mm-hmm. the, how a USA archery representative is supposed to conduct themselves. And yeah, tell me a yeah. About you know, we we actually created an ethos. Actually, the athletes created the ethos. Um, but we were involved. Um, I mean, there were board members, there were coaches, there were um, staff. Um, but it was driven by the athletes and the athletes' ethos um, of really who we wanted to be um, as an organization, how we wanted to treat each other. And that is something that was created a couple of years ago, um, two years ago actually, and, and um, we're implementing it. More people are being trained on it, the athletes in particular. Um, it's all about driving a better team, a better organization, and serving um you know, again, our members and the teams and the athletes uh, better. Yeah. And also, you know, how you represent outside the U.S., Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's a big part yep. of this. Yep. Now in the past, Ethos covers behavior across right. the board. I mean, we have code of conduct and all those types of things, but it, it comes down to, if, if I mean, you know, how, how you represent the U.S. when you're abroad has a, a, just a, a big impact of who we are and our reputation. Um, so we've got phenomenal athletes. There's no question about that. And um, people that are admired literally throughout the world. Absolutely. And, you know, they set the tone. Um, and really, it kind of funnels down from them. You know, so you're, in a, you're in a good position right now because you've got arguably <clears throat> some of the very best athletes representing. Absolutely. USA Archer. Well, you look at... Uh, starting with Brady and working on... Absolutely. The World Cup final, we had... Th- there are four categories that they shoot at the World Cup final, right? And we had three of those were ranked number one in the world, and they were U.S. Right? So you're absolutely. And then what was it? I was like, I mean, they're they're there. I mean, we're we're good. So. 
So those, let's break that down, the, the USA Archery ethos, which yeah. you know I think is, is uh, easy for anybody to understand, but contains a lot. The communication part of it. Yes. You know, timely and two-way communication. Yeah, two, it, it's open, honest communication. And um, without fear of reprisal, without worries, um, to literally be able to, when you have a dispute or you have any issues, to, to sit down um, with whoever you're having it with and, and literally just have a good conversation so you can get it out of the way. And, of course, communication these days means a whole lot of different things. And it it did does. When you and I were shooting. It you does. Know, <laughs> I mean, you know, just, just like an email or, or a podcast like this one alone, yep. um, you know, uh, phone calls in person, all that stuff comes into play. Yeah. And uh, so that covers everything, including social media, I presume. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you, if you're representing U.S. Airtree and the U.S. Archery team, it's representing it at all times. I mean, that is a Whether flag you have on face, your back. Facebook and Twitter or yes. how you treat people in person. Yes. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Yep. That's great. Yep. Respect, integrity, and humility is another section of the ethos. Uh-huh. And, and those speak for themselves. I, I, they do. I don't think there's anything else to be said about just uh, that title alone says it. I think the, the biggest one is our behavior will be professional and humble when working with others. Correct. Boy, I sh- yep. you know, the world would be better if everybody would like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Duty, legacy, and team player. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I do is obviously, you know, the legacy is a thing that I have a personal interest in as you do. Yes. And and the duty covers a lot of ideas. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's one of these things where everything that you do today sets up for the people coming after you. You know, um, literally, if if you if you're not behaving properly, it can affect us as an organization across the board. It can affect our funding. It can affect our membership. Our, our everything. People get turned off real easy. Um, so by doing the right things, um, you're setting the organization up and those that come after you uh, for good things. Yeah. Leaders so, and team players on absolutely. and off the field. Absolutely. Yep. Trust and standards of excellence. So obviously you created you and the board and the members have created a structure mm-hmm. for a higher level of excellence with mm-hmm. coaching certification, yep. With, yep. you know, safe sport programs, things like that. Correct. You know, it's when you look at our instructor uh, program, I mean, we've got instructors and coaches, about 23,000 of them, you know, active today. Um, so that's pretty substantial. We've trained a, a, a lot more than that. But, but you know, it goes it goes very deep. You know, we want people doing archery right and safe. Um, and having those folks, you know, at camps and, you know, those instructors having some better education is, is a big part. But, you know, excellence says everything there as far as what we expect of the athletes and, and you know, our performance. We want to consistently be the best in the world. And that leads into engagement and support, which is another one absolutely. of the principles here, you know, yep. to yep. bring your best game to everything. Yeah, absolutely. And support your teammates to help them perform at their best. And priorities and follow through. Uh, the priority mm-hmm. is to be the best country in the world in the sport yep. of archery is what it yep. says here. Absolutely. And guess what? This year, we won more medals than any other country in the world. Which is... In world, you know, <laughs> with world archery. So, I mean, that, that means more than the Koreans. I mean, we've won more medals than everybody. You know? So we've had a great year. And, um, you know, it's been... We're setting out to literally... Um, reach those goals and the last one of those aspects of the ethos is success correct and that's sustained success all of this stuff you've described builds a pyramid correct leads to success correct and you have a broad base of 
programs of ethics of yep. doing things well and doing things right and representing well and, and correct it does lead to success correct. as you as you amply demonstrated yeah this and year. again this wasn't a top down ethos that was created this was a bottom up ethos that was created at the end of the day it has taken time to get to where you are absolutely but it isn't you haven't reached this goal and you're stopping you're continuing no, to do more absolutely I think yep. part of that is why we're here this weekend in uh, in Houston right mm-hmm. now, as mm-hmm. we speak. Yeah. We're at the National Symposium, and the purpose of this is to get people from various parts of archery and Correct. outside archery, uh, other sports, mm-hmm. and get them to disseminate the kind of information that the coaches and the actuators, the, the yep. actualizers of our sport, yes. who are here, yep. who spent good money to be here. Exactly, exactly. So these are people that really want to see archery in their area and in their life better. Um, They're investing in themselves that hopefully they can go back and be better in whatever area um, they're interested in, in supporting archery. You know, I'll say this, that to be a level four requires a commitment of time and money. Yeah, absolutely. And um, judging a lot of yep. a lot of time involved. <laughs> Judges have to yeah. spend a lot of time. Anybody who wants to be passionate and involved in this sport ends up sacrificing a lot, but getting a lot absolutely. Out of it too, of course, absolutely. Yep. But at the end of the day, you've got several hundred people coming to this thing. Yeah. Who are really the vanguard of the yeah. continuation Correct. of the structure you've built? Correct. I mean, it used to be called USA Archery. National Coach Symposium. Right, but you've opened it up to more than just Correct, correct. For that very reason, exactly what you were just saying. It it is literally open up to anybody with passion to come here. So archers can be here? Absolutely. People who run programs who aren't necessarily coaches. Uh, City administrators, people who are interested in archery. I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, used to run a program for the Easton uh, Foundations in California. And he was telling me in a very excited way how the local town he's in they, they leveled seven acres of land for archery. That's awesome. You know, in, in, a, awesome. in a place in Southern California where the land's not Yeah, so yeah right. Impressive. Right, so, it is. So obviously our sport, and, and maybe this is full circle, the image that you created by, you know, having an ethical statement like this. Yeah. You know, having that package of standards of excellence, of engagement and support, of communication, all those things... It's elevated the image of our sport in this country, hasn't it? It has. And, and you know what? We're seeing it. Um, for example, this year, we set a, an attendance record at every single national event we have. Every single one. From yeah. Arizona Cup to the Collegiate Nationals yeah. to the Joy Nationals, NTC, all of the USATs. Um, every event had an attendance record. And without archery being in any major movies lately. Correct. And, and and at a time when the industry, you know, a lot of the industry, not all of it, but quite a bit is suffering. Yes. In a sense, they're go, it's going down. Um, the the hunting just, side of the Correct, sure, correct. Yeah. But we're seeing on the target side the opposite. We're seeing great growth. We're seeing, you know, our membership is at the, you know, literally all-time high for USA Archery. Yeah. Um, again, I, I mentioned our coaches, instructors, that's at all-time high. Our clubs, um, those are at an all-time high. I think we've gained a couple hundred clubs this year alone. Um, so once you, you know, when we're doing those, if we're, everything that we do should be to try and put smiles on the faces and grow the sport. And that means from the high performance side all the way down to the grassroots level. If we do those things right, our organization will prosper um, because people 
you know, are going to feel valued and that it's a value being part of the organization. And, and it's exciting to me. There's no question we got a long way to go yet, in my opinion, um, because you should never be satisfied in anything. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty proud that we've, um, you know, I'm hearing a lot more from people, you know, at our events and and just in general uh, where people are just like, hey, this was great. I really liked it, um, you know, and they're bringing new shooters and they're bringing their friends. Um, and you only bring your friends to things that you think they're going to like. <laughs> so it's a good thing. We're here on the Eastern Target Archery Podcast with Rod Menzer, the CEO of USA Archery. We're here in Houston, Texas at the USA Archery National Symposium. Rod, while we're here, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and maybe talk about what's happening going forward to 2020. Yeah, which is obviously, a year. Yeah, it's a big year. <laughs> Not that 2019 wasn't. It was probably right. the busiest one on the calendar. It was, it was amazingly busy i've never i don't know how our athletes did it to be honest um they very well from what i saw yeah they did um but it was a massive grind for them um you know pressure 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 every week and you know they weren't able to practice the way they you know wanted to for these some of these events but yet they performed phenomenally yes you know, and it's, I don't know how they did it. Well, I mean, preparation and perseverance, I guess. Yeah, it, I, I admire what they accomplished and, this past year. And, and it's yes, it's you amazing. Know how they did it because you're also a <laughs> world champion yourself. So, yeah, but it, for it, those it, that it, don't know, Rod is a world field champion and longtime yeah. recurve shooter and longtime compound shooter. And yeah, yeah, goes, yeah. Uh, goes into a lot of, uh, uh, of why he's able to bring a perspective to our sport. Uh, in his management role with USA Archery that has been very beneficial to shooters as well as right. to the sport Thank in you. The, um, the, the roadmap to Tokyo. Yes, yes. So Tough road because it we've is. got one man and one woman qualified. Yep, now, today. Which is great because yep. it means at least we've got a shot at a mixed team medal. Correct, we don't correct, absolutely. Yeah, mixed side. team's new for the Olympics this time. Right. And, um, you know, for sure that there's another opportunity at a medal. I am completely confident that we will get our full slots on both the men and women. Um, you know, it, it didn't work out um, at the World Championships. At Pan Am, though, we shot good. It didn't work out at the World Championships for a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah, it, it did. Correct. Correct. You know, I mean, Kazakhstan, to be honest, on the men's side, they shot phenomenal against our men. And they it did. came right down to the last arrow. And they, and they, they earned it. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd seen them in action but, earlier in the year. Um, Bangladesh, similarly, yeah. I, it wasn't yeah. against our men, but yeah. you know, at the Asia Cup, which is the first big outdoor event of the year, yeah. you can see what's going to happen in the upcoming year. Kazakhstan was strong. Absolutely. Bangladesh yeah. was strong. Yeah. So, be that as it may, you're confident that Berlin will be yes. an opportunity yes. to field a full team. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean... I, I know we will have a very strong men's team. We had it this year. Um, it was a great team and, and a strong team, and well, they shot good. Yeah, Absolutely phenomenal dynamic. You know, they all get along really well. Oh, they're they got along great. The women, though, too, yeah. have made big strides. They made big strides this year, and we've seen it even just. I mean, look at Casey alone. She's leading our trials right now, yes. but she herself has bumped up her international scores. 
like 20 points from the beginning of the year till now. I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, you know what it up. takes to do that. That's that's incredibly impressive. Incredible. And and you know, Mackenzie shooting better. I mean, they're, they're, you're you're looking at um, you know a group of, of ladies who are going to be ready. I really believe they're going to be ready, and and they will they will perform well, and they're going to earn those slots. You know, looking at this thing from a certain perspective, you don't want to peak too soon. No, no, no. And and they're you know they're all working hard there but more importantly they, they really are coming together as a team um i i be honest at, in the beginning of the year it, it was a, they got along but it wasn't the greatest team dynamically really, dynamically right but boy they've really kind of come together and are supporting each other more than ever and you saw results i mean again let's just look at pan am i mean they, they did really really well at pan am and um you know they're they're going to be they're going to be ready. I really believe we're going to you know we'll earn those slots and and I know the ladies believe it too. So it's too soon to talk about longer term. Yes, but I know that you're always thinking about okay. Once we've finished with this Olympic cycle, I'm going to just say that there's probably some future initiatives that we'll probably see. Yeah, yeah, Th- there are. Um, you know, we operate. Today we're we're operating on a strategic plan that was developed for the quad, basically between the Olympics, the right? Four year, four year period. Exactly. Um, the next uh, strategic plan, we're looking at probably doing a strategic plan for eight years, straight up to LA twenty twenty eight. Yeah. All the way through, you know, Paris. Right. So, you know, we're operating on, and we set our goals as an organization um, from the Paris side, and that's the other thing. I mean, I, I, you know, shame on us for not talking about Paris. I mean, they. They earned five slots. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're going to earn some more yet. Yeah. Um, they shot phenomenal. Um, they they won. It, it was so exciting. They were they were so exciting and and such again a great team. Um, you know, so I, I uh, had a great conversation uh, earlier today yeah. with George Riles, who's yes. the coach of the team. Yes. And, um, you know, we we talked at at length about the mm-hmm. challenges that the team will be facing in Tokyo in yep. specific climatological yes, conditions yes. and I gave him some ideas about you yeah. know things that mm-hmm. you know could help to mitigate some of that stuff yeah. um, but at the end of the day it's going to be a very challenging thing for that para team it, it will no question you know. um, we're we've been working this year though with the USOPC on doing some things to try and and testing with body temperature and core body temperatures as you know when you're in a chair it, it's hard for them to for quite a few to, to regulate their body temperature yeah, the para, so the full para guys are particularly yeah. the yeah. guys are particularly yep. troubled because they and women because they uh, don't have the same control over their body temperature Correct. as an able-bodied person. And Correct. You're talking potential for 40 C at yeah, this venue. Yeah, it's going to be hot and muggy. Yeah, I've right? shot in Tokyo in July and August several mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. and I can tell you it is going to be hot and muggy. Yep. The test event wasn't, as you right. know, you know, right. you were there. Yep. But uh, that was an anomaly. Yeah, um, but we're expecting that. You know, we're going to. We get more preparation to do, but I think we've gotten some really good testing, and we've already seen where some some simple things that can be done that can really help them. Um, and hopefully, we're going to find a few more things. Yeah, um, and by the along way, that line, it's not just the pair of people who are going to have issues. Oh no, everybody, everybody will have issues. Everybody who's not living literally in that type of. Well, the last time <laughs> the games were in Tokyo was 1964, and they had them in the autumn. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I would say that. Maybe that would have been a better idea, but you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's easy to say, right? Cor- correct, but I, I think 
I think we've got some good plans to, to help our teams. Um, and it's up to our coaches and our training staff and team leaders and stuff to just make sure they have all their resources and that we plan it out and that they're taking care of themselves. I predict a return of the Netherlands aluminum suits. <laughs> that, that you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But they're, yeah, I, I think. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, you know, they're going to be ready and they're going to shoot really well. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great venue. Oh, yeah. uh, they've really spent some money and, and done some nice things on the archery venue there. It is. And, um, you know, great staff. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be an exemplary games. Yeah. And so, um, you know, looking forward to that one happening next summer. Yeah, no question. All right. Well, moving, but, moving into the indoor season uh-huh, right now. Uh-huh. Um, Another big turnout seems to be in the cards for USA's uh, indoor efforts this year. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know what, um, indoor is interesting. You know, there are, as you very well know, on the Olympic side, on, on the recurve side, there's just quite a few shooters who really don't partake too much in indoor. And they just focus on, on outdoor and, and they or keep kind of Or they use indoor as sort of a training opportunity, but not. A- absolutely. But what I do believe um, indoor does for for them is, one, it gives you a little bit of change mentally. You're doing something a little different than just sitting at 70. And I think you need to be fresh mentally, and I think that's a big part of it. But um, I think one of the other parts is there's there's a lot of pressure. It is it's a, Indoors is, another, is one of those where uh, missing is difficult. Um, so you do not want to be doing well, it. Well, actually <laughs> easy. <laughs> well, you're it's, correct. It's dealing with it that's difficult. <laughs> that's difficult. So, so I really think it helps the mental game yeah. quite a bit. Um, so the folks that we've seen, you know, um, on our recurve uh, teams that have gone out there. I mean, for crying out loud, Casey. She, I know. I know. Right now, indoors, she's shooting. You know. F- 596 I think which when is, I talked to her dad um, this that. week <laughs> exactly you know I mean you have Jack Williams I think he shot oh, yeah. a 599 or <laughs> you know you know we know Brady can shoot 600s yeah. <laughs> I mean they're having fun but I think it's a beautiful mental break for them but at the same time mental training sure. um, so yeah I expect they're going to do really really well I expect you're right yeah indoors and the participation level is probably going to yeah. be another record this yeah. year isn't it yeah I mean you look at at Vegas and all that Vegas is, which is a huge tournament, right? It's what, 30s, I think last year, 35, 3,600, something like that total. Um, Archers attended it. You know, our, our nationals last year, our, our attendance was just shy of 4,600. That's amazing. Another thousand more. That's amazing. And of course, the fact, um, you know, it's, it's done differently, well, so it yes, makes it but, easier, but that's the beauty that's of it. that's one reason why it's Correct. as successful as it's been. Correct. And then the indoor finals, but we also are doing something new this year, and we're starting it indoors, and we've got what we call a champion's purse. Yeah, um, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So the champion's purse, you know, one of the things that um, USA Archery, and rightfully so, gets criticized a lot on is, you know, purses at events. Or you the know, lack of them. The lack of, right, right. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I think people have to understand, and I, I totally get it. I mean, again, I've been there, shot them, right? Um, and yeah, you've had it's, a few big checks on both. Yeah, before. but it's, you know, so much of, you know, without kind of getting into the politics of different organizations and things, there are other organizations in this country that, that, have a, a staff and a budget about the same size as ours, and they put on five tournaments a year. Yeah. So, but that you know, that's where the majority of their money and, and what they do goes. Right. Um, and that's great. Well, we you know, 
so much of our budget goes into the grassroots development right. and, and and sending teams you know international i mean what people don't realize is to send a team to the youth olympics was a hundred and like twenty five thousand dollars. Not to mention the logistics involved. I Correct. Mean, whole... Correct. So you know our budget, you know, hasn't allowed us to really do some additional things with with purses. Um, so this year, uh, what we're doing is we, we've created a champions purse, and what it means is, uh, for example, indoors, indoors the registration is eighty dollars, and if they sign up for champions purse, it's going to be three hundred. The difference is going to go into a pot. Right. Only for those shooters that sign up for it and, and put in for it, and it'll be divvied up, literally amongst them, 100% of it. And you're paying fairly deep. Absolutely, it'll be as as many archers that put in, you know, it just keeps building. Sure. So so you could easily get a check uh, for 24th place indoors if you get, you know, the right amount of shooters actually participate. Right. And then outdoors, you know. Um, Again, it'll be a $300 thing, and the difference between the regular registration and that, that goes into that champion's person. It's for every event. It's paid out at every event. So it'll take nothing um, for somebody to literally make up the extra money if they finish in the top 10 as long as there's good participation. But it'll it'll allow for deeper purses um, for all of the archers. Um, beyond what they currently have now, but oh. but again, if if they don't, if you don't sign up for the champions purse, you're not going to get it, right? So, you may you may get seventeen hundred dollars or whatever for first place, um, but you won't get the champions purse. If if the first place person in the champions is fifth, guess what? They, they get, get the first, first place. They'll end up with a bigger they will check. get. They could very well get a bigger check than the person who who wins the event. Yeah. So it you know. It's important, and I think it'll be fun, and it's well worth everybody's time to, when you're when you're signing up, to look for the champions purse and sign up for that. Um, you know, barebow, um, men and women recurve. It's and men's and women's compound. And men's and women's compound. In the in the uh, senior. Correct category. in senior categories. Right. So Which, that's where way, we're starting. So we're and clear in case you're building. wondering what senior means. It means <laughs> your, your 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 premier category. Correct. Forty nine and under. But if you're older and you want to compete with them, go ahead. Go you ahead. can. <laughs> but, I do <laughs> exactly. But well, compete might be too It's strong. the pre. It's it's our largest, um, air, you know, group of shooters yeah. and um, you know the the most uh, talented. So this is a great start because it you, is you've created a situation, but long term to make yeah. this work, yeah. you kind of got to get some outside money into it, don't you? Absolutely, endemic money. Non, uh, absolutely, non Hoyt Easton, yep. Yep. Matthews yep. PSC money. Absolutely, absolutely, and and we've got you know Jerry uh, in our office. She that's her job and this is, is um, you know sponsorship yeah. fundraising yeah. Um, we sent out you know mailing just recently uh, uh, for fundraising uh, to our membership and there's other mailings that are going out to other uh, lists and other places that we've bought um, to try and literally raise additional money and funds to do other things um, because everything is becoming more expensive sure and our budgets are generally locked you know from our but big uh, sponsors. you created an image for the sport yeah. here in the United yeah. States that could be very attractive to, I don't know, we used to have John Hancock Insurance as right, a right, sponsor. Absolutely. Right, absolutely. Absolutely, yep. Coca-Cola could be yep. a sponsor. Yep. Some of these energy drink companies, even though energy drinks is the last thing you need when you're shooting orange. <laughs> right. I mean, you know. Some people like it, you well, know, but... Uh, you know, I remember <laughs> in Colorado Springs, we had nationals one time, yeah. and the Red Bull girls showed up on yeah. the line, and yeah. nobody touched it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... 
<laughs> I'm not drinking that. <laughs> yeah, well, next time they show up, grab a can, pop it open at least. <laughs> at least, and pose with it. Exactly, you know, like pose with it. MotoGP, exactly. Right? You yep. ever see that? Yeah. Yeah, so. it would be really good. It'd be no, helpful. I think, I think it would be great if we could uh, leverage a yeah. non endemic yep. sponsor yep. of that kind. I know you guys the more are working we, on The that. more we continue to grow, I mean, our, our web presence is spectacular sure. compared to any other archery organization in the world. Oh, there's um, no doubt about that. You know, so it's. Uh, I'll say World Archery does a pretty good job they for do. itself, but they that's do. the umbrella um, but that's, Yeah, exactly. I'm talking I'm about, talking about individual, individual countries. And yeah. yeah, yeah, NGB type Yeah, I won't argue thing. that. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we truly dominate that um, yeah. pretty much across the board, and, and it's, it is pretty spectacular the amount and, You know, I think the there. other thing is that uh, we're seeing a lot more American athletes yes. on the front page of World Archery. Absolutely. Because of the image, because yep. of the obvious accomplishments. Yep. Yeah, but you know it's creating goodwill. It's creating goodwill. It is, and, and and like I said, I mean the team this year. Uh, I'll be honest; they were very well behaved. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's you know, call it, what it is, <laughs> it is yeah. what it is, right? Yeah, you need athletes who are going to. They want, were great. You want people to represent the country in a positive way they, and to give us a good image. They were, you know, they were spectacular ambassadors um, for our sport and our country, um, literally, uh, and our team. I mean, when you. When you're in Moscow for the World Cup final, right? So Brady wins in Moscow, and I, I use him as the example because I was I, I went with him for you know because you get drug tested afterwards, right? Sure. Um, but he had to he was signing autographs immediately after, like all of our athletes did, because yep. they're all everybody always wants our athletes' autographs. Um, but Brady, crowd. Brady is fantastic, and he had a huge crowd there, right? And he was there, but they had to pull him; he had to go and do his test. Well. They stuck around. I mean, the when we the fans, it was over an hour later. Everything was closed. They were dismantling the the, um, you know, the shooting the yeah. venue, and and Brady came walking back down, and he purposely went back there because he had told them to wait, and he'll be back. Yeah, and, and he was not. Fans. These are Russian fans in Moscow yeah. outside yeah. the stadium, yeah. right? And literally, when they saw him coming, they started chanting his name. Yeah. Okay, and, and you, I mean, here you got the guy with a big old USA shirt on you know, in Moscow, yeah. and they're chanting his name um, because they're fans of him. And he went up there and he made sure that every single person that wanted either a picture or an autograph got it. And when he when it was all done, then he was ready to go and uh, head back. That's you know, and and that's the type of thing that changes or that gives us the reputation and sure. that's the type of thing that gives us the legacy too right and 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 does for the other people coming you know as we're talking about right sets that legacy up absolutely uh, and but you know, it's spectacular you couldn't have picked a better and they're example, all like that they're, they're all, all like they're that. all good yeah all of our athletes are like that they will they will literally stop yeah. and and literally sign autographs for anybody who wants I've one and they're mac. mobbed yeah. they're mobbed yeah. <laughs> You know, little girls will come up to Mac yeah. or to yeah. or to Casey, yeah. and, and they will spend time with them and Absolutely. make them feel like they're the center yes. of their attention, yes. which is so important yeah. for a kid. It is. You know, it is. It's really nice. Yeah, it's it's spectacular, and and you know, I, I, I admire them for that. Them, by the way, I think that's natural on their it, part. It, but it some, is. Some but athletes they, you got to train. But. You know what? I think they see the others when they when they first join the teams. You know, maybe they they're not hit up for the autographs as much as the veterans. Uh, you know, because they built a fan base, right? Sure. Um, and I think they see those veterans though doing that, and I think it it 
helps them learn that this is what you do. Sure. You make sure that you take care of those fans. Yeah. Useful way of paying it forward to them. Oh, it's, it's, it's great. And I couldn't be more proud of them. And, you know, literally as an individual, let alone a CEO of the organization. I mean, I'm just as, as an archer, as a fan, um, I'm a geek, you know, towards yeah. uh, everything that they do. And, and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm just, I, oh. Bob Menzer, <laughs> CEO of USA Archery. See, I didn't say the NIA. There you go. Right. <laughs> I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. Again. My pleasure. It's always a, a great thing to have you on. And we'll look forward to having you on again as we head into the 2020 Olympic season. And, yeah. uh, man, we're looking forward to great, great stuff ahead. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, George. It's always great to uh, see my buddy Rod Menzer and uh, and catch up with him. That was uh, a really good talk we had, and I really enjoyed our weekend there in Houston, Steve. That was uh, that was an epic one. Yeah, I uh, I like Rod. He's got a good understanding of business. And he has a good understanding of the sport. You know, he was in food sales essentially beforehand, which. As you can imagine, is a very competitive market. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, he, he has a good understanding of, of business. That that's really helping USA Archery. It has to be run like a business, not like a you know. Well, you know a, what? I, what, uh, what he does is he kind of marries up the <laughs> professional administrator type thing with a top shooter type thing. You know, as a world field champion, just like you, he uh, he gets it. You know, he understands recurve. He was a top recurve guy back in the day, and. Yep. You know, then top compound guy, and, and he understands the whole thing from the needs of the shooter to the needs of the coaches to the needs of the people paying the money. So, you know, yeah. that's that's the asset that, that USA Archery has, and, and it's terrific to see uh, to see that working out so well. So, well, And he's very big. He's a very big supporter of our team as well. He's yeah. not just lost in the, in the uh, background, you know, trying to handle the day-to-day, but he's – out there, every time we have someone shooting, he's the one you hear the loudest. Yep, yep. I don't want to call him a cheerleader because some people would take that as a negative connotation, but he is the biggest supporter. And at World Field in Cortina, a number of us had him coaching us in the finals, including me. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he's got so much experience and he's been there, done that. He was a world champion as well as, you know, as well as yourself. And you know, he's just a great guy. And um, at the end of the day, we're very lucky to have him in that position. So, Yes. All right. Well, what do you got going on? What uh, What's in your calendar for the next couple of weeks? Um, unpacking some boxes. I've been doing a lot of cardboard box lifting and oh, yeah. setting down and unpacking and uh, building some Ikea furniture, you know, things of that nature. So it's been a lot of fun. But I think hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'll be – you know, actually kind of settled in and can maybe uh, start living. I'll, I'll be in a similar situation in a few months. I'll need to get advice from you on this subject. So, Oh, yeah? Yeah. So. Interesting. We'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I yeah. want your advice about, you know, packing and uh, who to hire to move stuff because I can't lift crap like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say is always lift with your back, never your legs. Right. But if your back is jacked up like mine, <laughs> then I think that could be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. People like to say it the other way around, but I don't know. I found that, you know, I feel a lot more sore, which lets me know I'm getting a good workout in when I lift with my back rather than legs. Sure. Sure. 
Well, I'm about to. That was, uh, a, that was a joke to anyone who didn't get it. Right. But, uh, yeah. Let's make sure we make that very clear so that somebody doesn't write in in a few weeks and go, "You hurt me because I heard your advice." <laughs> yeah. No, that was bad advice, and it was deliberately bad advice. So just take it that way. Yes. So where you're off to Tokyo? Yeah. Right now. Uh, headed what to uh, headed to the nationals there. A little late so for what, you what's know. your flight path. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I will end up going over the Aleutians, followed by a hard left turn before the Kamchatka Peninsula, and then over uh, Sapporo down to Tokyo. You flying through Seattle? Yeah, through Seattle. At what time do you land and leave Seattle? So I land in Seattle at like 9.30, and I leave yeah. Seattle at like 10.30. That's the worst. Yeah. Because I got to be up at like three thirty to get to the airport and do all that stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Seattle to Tokyo flight ever leaves at like. You need one that leaves at like three p.m., two p.m. That way, you're not getting up early here, but you also catch the clam chowder in the Sky Club. Yeah, but here's the downside of that: when you'd get to Japan, it would be something like six in the morning, and the problem with that is you wouldn't be able to check your stuff into your hotel and hit the shower. You'd have to go straight to whatever you got to do. Yeah. Because they actually have a flight like that. It comes out of uh, it comes out of L.A. and goes to Haneda. But the reason I don't take it is because yeah, but L.A. sucks. It's like the worst airport in the world. Is because of L.A. Exactly. So I'd rather go through Portland. That's my favorite one to fly through. I really like Seattle. Yeah, really nice club. Yeah, but I'm gonna miss the uh, the clam chowder. That's gonna be yeah. the downside. I might catch it on the way back though. Yeah, return flight. Yeah, my return flight should have me right around clam chowder time at the Sky Club. So, I think the last time I I rolled through Seattle at the proper time was when I came back from Bangkok last year, and I was near death, so I was not about to eat anything because if I did, it was gonna oh, come back up. Yeah, you whatever. got I forgot about that. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, missed out on it. But. That was no bueno. Huh. Well, where are you? Uh, is in Tokyo this event? No, the event's in Kakigawa. So I'm going down to Osaka to meet with some coaches. Um, and then after that, I'm going to Kakigawa, which is in between Tokyo and Osaka. And so okay. I'm taking the bullet train to Osaka, and then I'll take the slow bullet train uh, back halfway, because that was, that's the one that stops at all the stops. And uh, Kakigawa is one of those. So the uh, the tournaments at Sumagoi Resort, which used to be owned by Yamaha, we talked about that before. That place kind of been a historic place for archery. And, yeah, uh, I, I remember seeing like a big Yamaha corporate center or something when I was on the train from Osaka to Tokyo. Yep, maybe that's like the one. halfway through. That's okay. it. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty uh, pretty impressive place, you know. And um, unfortunately, and 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 this is really serious. The there was a typhoon that went through central and eastern Japan. It really did a lot of damage in that region. So, our obviously hearts reach out to the folks affected by that. That was a very serious problem, and of course, they're still recovering from that. They're doing a good job with recovery, but it's difficult, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah, saw that. On uh, from Phil Nall, he he was posting some stuff about the the typhoon. Yeah, and uh, fortunately, the you know the folks in Tokyo were mostly um, you know they were affected, but not as badly. But Shizuoka Prefecture, where where Sumigoi is located, that definitely got hard hit. So we uh, are definitely hoping that everybody's okay and, and uh, you know the events going forward. And 
hopefully uh, it's going to be a smooth one. You know, I think yeah. the typhoon season's pretty well done. That seems to be the case. So it, it does make you worry a little bit about next year's Paralympics because of the timing. But, uh, you know, we, we've uh, talking to George Riles, for example, about that. They've got contingency plans in place for all that sort of thing. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the heat's going to be the big worry there, you know, next year. So yeah, that's kind of what I was seeing. See, archery starts on like July twenty fourth. Is that right? Yeah, regular archery starts um, like the third week of July, and that's going to be really warm. And it's just going to get warmer from there into August when the when the paras start. So yeah, that'll be the the challenge in the Tokyo Games is going to be the heat. Huh. Well, it'll be. I'm looking forward to it. Really am. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a great event. No doubt about that. So, all right. Proprietor of the Anderson Archery Center. I'm looking forward to seeing more of your stuff as you uh, get that place all fleshed out. Yeah, we're, I'm going to go home today. We've got to figure out a target stand, a different target. I've got some targets that I really like, but I think they'd be better outdoors. They're, they're not what I want for indoor, just based on where the cores are and blah, blah, blah. So, hey, do you have enough ceiling room for a recurve? Yeah, it's nine foot ceiling. Oh, so perfect! I, like, I don't even come close, you know, holding my bow up. But, yeah, uh, even with a recurve, you could shoot. Yeah, yeah probably. No, you, you probably could. Yeah. So yeah, that was all in the plan. I had to make sure the specified nine foot basement, but cost me a little more cash. But uh, yeah, but in the long run, it'll be worth it. Oh, totally. Very good. All right, bro. Well, we'll catch you after the uh, after the return trip. We'll have another podcast at that time. I'm planning to do a couple interviews while I'm there with a couple of the shooters who are gearing up for Tokyo 2020 because there will be a few people coming in uh, for this event, including our good friend Takahara Furukawa and maybe a surprise guest from Korea. We'll we'll uh, we'll have an update coming up. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah, you know, it's interesting since we're doing this podcast over the phone. It's almost like we're ending a phone conversation, which we normally wouldn't close the podcast that way. We would just close the podcast by saying, end of show. 